0: Welcome to Grace Walk Radio. This is episode two. I'm your host, Derek Lewandowski and I'm here with my right-hand man, my partner in worldwide radio ministry. I'm Batman, he's Robin. I'm Tom Brady, he's Rob Gronkowski.
1: <laughs> Never been referred to as that before. <laughs> Caleb Berg. Hello, everybody. I'm yeah. the man, the myth, and the legend. Yeah, actually...
0: First of all, I hate the Patriots. NFL hatred. Okay, that's a, it's a, it's an okay it's a, it's an authorized hatred as a Christian. It goes deep. Um, hate the Patriots, but um, uh, but that said, you are right. Uh, if you know Caleb, you would know why it's odd to refer to him as Rob Gronkowski, who was like six foot thirteen. Uh, Caleb's slightly under, slightly, slightly under that. Yeah. How tall are you? Towering five foot four. Hey, all right. But mighty in God. <laughs> so, welcome to our second episode. Um, today, I'm going to share my grace story. Uh, but before that, we're just going to review our mission. Uh, hopefully, you caught our first podcast. Thank you if you did. Uh, just to repeat what we're doing here number one, we want to talk about the gospel of grace in belief and practice. And number two, we want to talk about living under grace in a modern world. So we just want to encourage you, build you up, remind you of the rest that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross and how to live that out and just talk about some of the issues and theology surrounding that. And uh, we're very excited about this, and uh, especially as we get an episode two here. But actually, before we even get into that, uh, we got to get an update, because we, to- we told them we would, on your fantasy football
1: team. Yeah, Caleb. so uh, we're flying high. I mean, Everybody wants to know. I mean, everybodys that's everybody's why they're listening. Everybody's interested, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's, why, that's, why, uh, that's why we're here. This is actually a fantasy football podcast. Um, <laughs> and by that, I mean don't follow any of my moves in fantasy football because <laughs> it was not a stellar day. Though I will say... The ridicule that I took from a certain Reese lewandowski Yeah, my son, he's he's uh, he's hardcore. He's he's the guy that should start a podcast on fantasy football. Yeah. Although in this, he was wrong. He questioned my choice of Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore um, Ravens football club, and uh, well, let's just say Lamar Jackson had had quite a good quite a good. Just day. don't
0: talk about who they played, okay?
1: some team out of Southern Florida, yeah, uh, somewhere. The Buccaneers? Yeah, maybe. Okay um some kind of fish.
0: <laughs> okay, enough of the enough of the NFL. I'm sure people aren't tuning in just to That's right. just to just, just for that. to listen. Maybe we'll have that. like a sports edition. Even though, you place. know what? I'm going to sing a song right now. Um <laughs> I am a Miami Dolphins fan and a few years back I actually wrote a a, a silly song, like the old VeggieTales things, <laughs> uh, to lament my Dolphin fanhood, fandom that came down from my father. Mm. I actually posted it on the internet. Maybe we could actually post a link to the Watch video that. of this song, because uh, every year around this time, it starts getting mad hits. I, I don't know, I think it's like ten to 15,000 hits now <clears throat> um, from dolphins. sad Dolphins fans, mm. but it goes like this. Daddy made me love the dolphins. I'm sorry that he'd done such a thing but it's my lot to love the dolphins. Just don't expect no ring. There's another version of that too, but um, yeah, Daddy made me love the dolphins and, you know, it's yeah. it's just, I gotta do it. It's, it's part of my lot in life, part of God's sovereignty in my
1: life, uh, part of my sanctification. Yeah. Um, it could also be. I mean, the Bible does talk a little bit about the sins of the fathers being passed down generation <laughs> yeah. to generation. I don't know if that's out of context. but um, No, no, that's great. <laughs> that's a great exegesis of that I, text. I actually can relate in multiple areas. So <laughs> I, I, Minnesota sports all the way, even though we haven't won any type of a title since 91. And uh, that was the last time any Minnesota sports team won a title. And there's several of our sports teams who have never, never won a title or some who have never even been up for a title. So it's been a lot in life.
0: All right. Well, for both of us. Um I want to share my my story uh in this week's podcast. Next week Caleb, Caleb's going to share his grace story. Um you know, I think all of our grace stories are multifaceted. It, it's not just it's not one revelation of grace. It's a progressive revelation yeah. of grace. I grew up in the Catholic Church. Um I've actually come to appreciate my childhood uh and what my experience in the Catholic Church brought to me, which it really gave me a reverence for god i didn 't know him i didn 't understand what salvation by grace was um, didn 't have a relationship with him, but it gave me a reverence for God and awe of God um, and also really kind of reinforced a you know a moral compass in my heart. Romans talks about that law written on our hearts, and certainly my Catholic upbringing did that, so as I talk about my roman catholicism i, I don 't want to I don't want it to feel like a diatribe against Roman Catholics. Um, it's just my story. Um, didn't know the Lord. I, I grew up uh, in, in a family that uh, my parents uh, struggled in their marriage. My father uh, was struggling with alcoholism. Um, I remember you know, that we went through a season of separation. It was just a really hard time in my family, and we actually moved to Florida uh, from New York. My my father stayed in New York, and we were down there for six months. I remember longing to be with my dad. Um, so that was sort of the state of our family when a babysitter came into our home and invited us to um, her brother Jimmy's church. He'd planted a a small country church in a little town called Gallupville, New York, which is outside of Albany, New York. Um, I think at the time, population 700, 800, And she invited us to go to her brother's church. I think the church was maybe a year or two old at the time. Uh, He'd been praying for the town. We started going to that church, um, and uh, immediately my brother and my sister and I became his youth group, uh, Jimmy's youth group. So I remember he sat down with us and he said, do you believe in God? We said, yeah. He said, do you have a relationship with him? We said, huh? What do you mean? I think I was nine. And he said, well, do you believe in the president of the United States? Do you believe that he exists? At the time, I'm going to date myself here. At the time, it was Ronald Reagan. Mm. And he said, yeah, we, we believe he exists. He says, but do you know him personally? I said, no. He said, then it's possible to believe that someone exists and not have a personal relationship with them. And you know what? That was a really helpful picture for a nine-year-old kid, trying to understand the difference between religion and relationship. So I began my relationship with the Lord. Um, I grasped at some level that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that that was my access to God. That was my access uh, into the kingdom, to eternal life. But I really failed to grasp the role of grace in my sanctification, you know, the rest of the Christian life. I I almost saw grace like the door in. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you sort of move on from it um, to learn, you know, how to live the Christian life. It's like, I think the common thing is we go, okay, I'm saved by grace. Uh, now what do I do? Yeah. It's just human nature. We slip right back into the into the works part of it. Um, I mean, growing up in youth conferences, like every single youth conference was, you know, he died for me, <laughs> I'll live for him. And that sounds... Wonderful, and it's true at a certain level, but it has to be informed by the gospel because grace is not just the door-in. Right. It's the whole Christian life. You know, uh, I think it was Tim Keller who said, grace is not the ABCs of our faith. It's the A to Z. I really didn't understand that. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a grasp of doctrine either. I was, I was in a charismatic environment, and so we're very much moved from experience to experience, and you sort of feel your way through your relationship with God. Um, so that's kind of that was my young years in Christ and and um uh, right through my teenage years and then my college experience um I I was a very radical uh young man as a Christian. I always wanted to be the most spiritual guy in the room. Um uh, I I served as a missionary to Tanzania for a year. Um and uh, somewhere along the line I I think I I don't know, I just my theology was reduced to, if you work hard enough in spiritual disciplines, yeah. then you will gain a special favor, with a place or special yeah. favor from God.
1: And you did the year in Tanzania right after high school? or Yeah, that... that was my gap year, yeah. yeah,
0: between high school and college. And that was a radical uh, time in my life. I, I actually got malaria while I was there and accidentally overdosed, double overdosed on the medication that was wow. supposed to cure me. Um, I'll tell, maybe I'll tell that story another time, but it was, uh, terrifying, but also a time when God really taught me to trust him Mm. and lean in, in those hard times. I mean, I was away from my family, my mother, you know, who was my spiritual, you know, inspiration. Um, I was away from all those voices in my life. I think I talked to my My family once or twice in the six months I was actually in country, and I think it cost us like 120 bucks for a three-minute conversation. Yeah, you know, no texting, no cell phones, nothing like that. I mean, it was it was a day of landlines and before Facebook. Yeah, exactly. And I was in a third world country, Um, so and that was a time that God really taught me to trust Him, taught me that my life is in His hands, and um, and gave me a passion for um, the Great Commission to see the gospel. Uh, preach throughout all nations and I, I really came home from that experience with a reordered life uh, before that I probably would have said that my goal in life was to be a professional baseball player yeah. um, you know I went to Cal Ripken baseball school for three years uh, in high school and was around the scouts I was recruited by a number of college programs um, you know I wasn't a blue chip recruit you know but I was pretty good and I think I would have had a decent college career and But then this experience in Africa, just it was so riveting, it just reordered my life, and and I came home with a desire to get involved in ministry. And so I did. After college, which I was heavily involved in all kinds of ministry in college, uh, but after college, my wife and I started a music ministry um, called Remnant, and then in 1997 and 98, we actually moved to Texas, and we were part of, uh, at the time— contemporary Christian band called Harvest. Uh, anybody who's got a history in Christian music, you may remember Harvest. They were pretty popular in the, in the 80s and, <clears throat> and uh, early 90s, and we kind of came in to work with them at the tail end of their, uh, of their ministry. Then in 98, we launched Isaiah 6 Ministries, which for years we traveled and did music and speaking through Isaiah 6. Um, but uh, long story short, In the year 2000, um, I was, what, 29 years old, I think. Um, I would have considered myself a champion of spiritual disciplines at that time. I mean, besides the fact that I was involved in full-time ministry, doing evangelism, traveling and speaking and leading worship and putting out albums and writing books and that stuff, um, my personal life was pretty ordered as well. You know, I, I fasted once a week. I tried to tell at least one person about Christ every day. Um you know, I'm studying the Bible, uh, you know, praying every day, going to church, giving my tithe, all that stuff. Um but by the end of the year two thousand I began to experience um the early signs of spiritual burnout and depression and anxiety hmm. uh disorder. Um anxiety wasn't new to me. Uh, it was something I struggled with my whole life, going back to my youth, uh, irrational fears, obsessive compulsive type, um, fears and behaviors and, um, stuff that I battled. And I thought I gained a victory over it during my college years, but here we are now, um, uh, you know, I'm 29. So this is, you know, less than a decade removed from my college experience. And it's like, I, I almost describe it like I had a spiritual car crash, hmm. um, I didn't know what was happening to me. Um, I didn't understand how I could be working so hard for God and be experiencing such a rending of my soul, my emotions, and, and how I could feel so you know, so depressed. Um, and I thought, well, it was at the end of the year, 2000, I thought, I'll push through this. You know, just, it's just a low time. And then once the new year comes, I'll get in my new year rhythm and I'll be okay. But it wouldn't work that way this time. Um I began to experience physical symptoms. I was um <clears throat> losing weight. I was having headaches, struggling with insomnia. I was losing appetite, my appetite for food, uh you know, for having sex with my wife, like I I just things I would normally have an appetite for, i uh I just started to lose those things. Um I I was scared. I had two young kids at the time, uh, my daughter Grace and my daughter Joy. Now I I have six kids, um, but they were young. Mm -hmm. We lived in northern New York uh, in uh, the uh, Potsdam area in northern New York. And uh, I I, I didn't know what was going on. So I went to my family doctor. Um, Long story story short, he had me take a test when I told him what, what I was experiencing. And it was like more about like, not just what I was experiencing physically, but what are you thinking? How do you mm-hmm. feel about your life? How do you think about this or that? And he diagnosed me with depression. And uh, he gave me some pills, some antidepressants. said, take these, they'll help you maybe feel better. Um, it wasn't a psychiatrist, it was just my family doctor. And Man. so I went home. I had the pills. And I'm sitting, <clears throat> I remember sitting there on the couch next to my wife and, and just, I said, Lord, how did I end up here? It doesn't make sense. Like I, I've been, I've been so radical for you. I've I've traveled the world for you. I've I've, you know, I'm, I'm spiritually disciplined. I'm I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do to be close to you and have your power in my life. And and here I am. How how is this possible? It doesn't it didn't make sense with my theology? And um, I, I didn't. I was scared of the pills too. I didn't want to. I didn't want to add another problem to my life. Yeah. Um, so I took the pills and threw them out. Uh, And what I concluded was I'd rather feel organically bad than synthetically good. (laughs) Like I, I wanted to know when I was actually feeling better that it was real and not contrived by some medication. And I do need to put a footnote on this part of my story. Um, many people take, um, antidepressants and medications, you know, for mental health issues. And, and I don't have any criticism or condemnation for yeah. people in that situation. You know, I just wanted to put that out there. I, um, uh, I You need to do what you do in accordance with your faith. And frankly, mm-hmm. sometimes those things can be merciful for people. Yeah. But my faith was, I'm going to take this journey without those things. And I did. It was a very, and it was raw. I mean, mm-hmm. it was extremely raw and difficult and very, a lot of scary moments. But uh, I threw the pills out and I thought, all right, I proved to God that my faith is in him. And now I need to do more of what I've already been doing. Uh, More prayer, more, you know, more Bible reading, more, 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 more. Um, I could no longer go to work. I would go in and I'd have panic attacks. I'd tremble. The panic attacks got really severe, scary. Um, I would have these emotional spirals where I would just uh, freak out or, or wail and, yeah. I, and i wouldn't want my family to see me, so I'd go up in my room, put my face in my pillow, and clench my fists and and, and i I'd, I'd cry in my pillow um, and I'd often say, "Where are you, God?" Well, this went on for a long time, and I kept losing weight eventually the the pastoral team around me said, "You need to get some rest, and you need to you need to take some time off from ministry because I just couldn't function in hindsight that actually I don't know if I would do that again or recommend that to anybody because one of the worst things, I think, for a depressed person is to sit alone in your house with the shades pulled thinking about how much your life yep. stinks. Yep. <laughs> you know? So um, it was it was hard, and it was hell. Hmm. And um, day after day, fighting off panic attacks, fighting off dark thoughts, thinking I might be going crazy. The idea of getting back in ministry was actually became silly to me because I was just trying to survive yeah. um, I began to question everything I questioned what I believed I questioned my own theology I felt betrayed by God uh, I, I even questioned my own faith mm-hmm. you know I, 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 because I'm looking at it going this didn't work like how could I end up here when I have been one of the most devoted people to religion yeah. that I know well um, I don't know how it came about. I heard some preacher say that if you fast, I think, I think I heard somebody say three days for revelation, three days of fasting, 21 days for deliverance. That was good enough for me. I was so desperate. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's, let, let's do it. Yeah. And so I went on a 21 day fast. Um, I lost another 20 pounds. So, you know, right now I walk around at about 175, 180 and I got down to about one hundred and twenty-five pounds. Wow! Um, I was a sight too. My eyes were sunken. You know, dark rings under my eyes. Mm-hmm. People who knew me were they were they were frightened for me just by looking at me. Um, and on day twenty, I was no closer to my healing than I was at the beginning. I was frustrated. I was angry.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And I, like I said, I felt betrayed by God. And so I remember. I was sitting in my uh, living room recliner, just talking to God. And I'm, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I just kind of, I was done. You know, Romans seven twenty four says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. And that's where I was. And um, my understanding is one of the implications of that word wretched in the original language is, is exhausted hmm. from hard work. Yeah. And I was, I was exhausted from hard work. I'd, I'd you know, I tried ramping up my prayer and my spiritual disciplines, and of course I tried the 21-day fast, and and none of it was helping me. And I just said to God, I'm done. I'm done trying those things to, to heal me and to save me. And you know how you have those little inner conversations with God? I really felt like the Lord was like, you're done.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm done. Good.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, what do you mean, good? <laughs> well... Now you only have one thing left. Well, what's that? It was like the Lord was saying, "You've got me." Hmm. And I'm thinking, "Well, I've tried you. I've yeah. I've fasted, I've prayed, I've, you know, <laughs> I've gotten counseling. I I've, I've read, I've studied my Bible. I've memorized scripture. I I I I I. And if you look at Romans 7 and 8, I think there's 33, 34 mentions of the word I in Romans 7, which is a chapter about bondage, and in Romans 8, there's not a single mention of the word "I" uh, in reference to his own sufficiency, yeah. his own merit, or his own attempts to gain righteousness. It's a spirit empowered passage in Romans eight, and it, so that, that he moves from Romans seven to Romans yeah. eight by saying, "Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death?" Thanks be to God. And here's the answer: through Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. He didn't say, "What will deliver me from this body of death?" He said, "Who?" He realized that his solution was not a what, it was a who. Yeah. He needed a hero to save him. He couldn't save himself. And that's where I was. And for the first time in that whole season, now this is July of 2001. So I'm now like seven, eight months into this dark depression. For the first time, I had a pinprick of light because it was this strange piece that came over me just in this, mm-hmm. just realizing, oh, this is finally out of my hands now. It's in, it, now, if I'm, if I get better, it's only going to be because of God's grace and none of my works because I'm done doing those works. And um, I don't know, I just had this strange peace, like it's in God's hands now. Yeah. And um, maybe that's where I need to be. And that's a safe place. Yeah. So that's why I say God was at the end of my rope. Um, I reached over and I grabbed my Bible, which was sitting on a TV stand next to my recliner, and I opened. I literally, you know, how you do the point trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know. They drew lots for a for a disciple. I can do the point trick, okay? <laughs> um, so I I did I did the point trick. I just opened up my Bible and my eyes fell in Colossians two ten, and it says, "You are complete in Christ," and that was shocking for me because I I was spending you know all that time trying to complete myself, hmm. and the the scripture is saying. Actually, you're already complete.
1: Yeah.
0: And I just started thumbing through the epistles, and, and my eye just caught the word grace over and over again. And I just realized, I don't think that I understand or emphasize grace in my thinking as a Christian to the extent that the apostles do in their writings here. Yeah. And not only that, but no offense to my sisters in Christ, I, I would have seen grace as a sissy word. Yeah, you know, I name my oldest daughter Grace, not my son. Right? Yeah, we don't right, name our right. boys Grace, right? <laughs> so I, you it, know, it, it was almost like it has this effeminate, yeah, uh, view about it, you know, and and um, and so I realized that I, I needed to understand this, and I literally studied Romans eight and Galatians five line by line, word by word for about a year. Yeah. I mean, I was in commentaries, I was in you know uh, Gill, I was in calvin, I was in matthew henry i mean i I often say i i I took that journey with Matthew Henry by my side you know yeah. i mean I, I would look a lot in his writings and and um I just studied it and and it was amazing what started to happen. Jesus said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." The more I grasped the gospel and the doctrines of grace, the more I began to see I was looking in a mirror that was telling me my true reality, even though my feelings were betraying me, um, I began to see two, um, I don't know, two me's or two realities where the one that was suffering and listening to the lie of depression and anxiety and giving into that over and over again, and the one, the new man in Christ that was being taught to me by scripture. You know, James says that the gospel is like a mirror, you know, and the one who uh, doesn't obey it is like the one who forgets what he looks like. and and. I was looking in the mirror. The scripture was telling me the truth of what happened to me in Christ Jesus and what He did on the cross. and And Jesus said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." And the truth started to make me free. Yeah, it started to heal my heart. Over that time, the more I looked at it, and and that's you know, was it Second Corinthians three? I think it says. Uh, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the more we stare at the gospel, the more it transforms us. And that was true in my life. I began to experience that. And the way I describe it is like when a sky starts turning pink and orange after a long black night, a moonless night, and you go, I think the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with me. It wasn't like instantaneous, right. but you know, it's a slow descent into a valley like that through bad theology, bad thinking, bad habits, bad doctrine,
1: you
0: know, uh, legalism, and it's a slow ascent out, and and the Lord started to bring me out through his word, through the truth of the gospel of grace, and um, I like to say I haven't been restored, I've been transformed. He radically Mm -hmm. reshaped my thinking and my whole view and understanding of the gospel uh, that the Gospel of Grace is not just the door in as i 've already said it's the it 's the whole journey yeah. uh, you look at Paul the Apostle uh and how often he spoke of the grace of God um, not just in the context of salvation but in the context of it being sufficient as he faced his own battles with his weakness when he talked about his thorn in the flesh, that my grace is sufficient for you. So it was power and sanctification. He talked about it in the context of his ministry, for God has given unto me a grace to preach the gospel to the the Gentiles. So it was power for service. It was everything. And grace began to become everything to me. And every other passion and focus I had uh, in life and even in Christendom began to be pushed to the fringe. And I finally understood what Paul meant when he said, I've determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and that's become my life mission and goal. And my life purpose is just to preach the gospel of grace. That's why we're doing Grace Walk Radio. Yeah. That's why Grace Life Church exists. Uh, that's why I write songs now. That's why you know I, I continue to write blogs and books. It's it's to preach this message that shaped and transformed my life. I could say more, but that's uh, <laughs> that's my grace story.
1: Amen. Well, that's powerful, and uh, I mean I I've only known you post-grace experience, um, but you have to be one of the most grace-centered pe- persons that I've met, and it is refreshing because you can actually see that you are a transformed person. It's not a it's not a fake thing. It's not a, a band-aid. Um, it's something that got in there deep and transformed. And, you know, I think you'll hear this over the course of time in, in just the conversations of... Um, our grace stories and maybe others who might join us, but um, it's digging in deep to these things that that you you see and hear um, the deep roots of grace. It's not it's not a band aid fix. It's not a it's not another tack on type thing. Whereas you
0: or just a series, yeah.
1: You, it's not a seven week series and then you're good and you've just added it to your life. It is a deep, you know, foundational element to your faith.
0: Yeah, and I'll finish with this, and I know we've gone over mm-hmm. our
1: time here. <laughs> Sorry, we promised 20-minute
0: podcast, and we're over 30 now. But, but we are preachers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do better in the future. Um, but, you know, often in Scripture, people are known more by their weaknesses yeah. uh, than their strengths, like blind man Bartimaeus, mm-hmm. doubting Thomas. Uh, you know, I would be known as Derek the weak or Derek the afraid. <laughs> um, but then he transforms us, and he yeah. gives us that new name Amen. in him, and... And uh, I've been made new in Christ, and I'm thankful. So, yeah.
1: so as we come to a close, uh, we just want to encourage you to subscribe, uh, share this information with your friends, and uh, you know, pass it along, leave us a review, and uh, follow us on social media, at Caleb Berg and at Derek Lewandowski on the Twitters and, the, and uh, Instagram and all of that good stuff. And uh, we hope you keep tuning in. And we hope that this continues to be a blessing in your life. And uh, would you close us in prayer?
0: Absolutely. Father, we thank you that your word says you work all things for the good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. For those whom you foreknew, you also predestined to be conformed to the image of your Son. And Lord, we know that the all things... Lord, are the things that we are going through that are difficult, the confusing things, the the moments where we feel betrayed, uh, the moments when we're disoriented, the moments when we're suffering. But help us to remember that your great goal for all of us, what you have predestined for all of your people, is to be made more like Jesus, To be, is to be conformed to the image of Christ, and that is to trust and obey the Father uh, fully and live by faith uh, in you and not ourselves. And so I pray for all those who are listening, who are suffering, maybe those who are going through anxiety or depression themselves, Lord, that they submit that to you and find your hand at work in their lives as well. Help them to look in the mirror of the gospel and be transformed by that uh, into the image of Christ. We thank you for this time today and for all those who listen. Pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen.